James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. He said to them, What would you that I should do for you? And they said to him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, and the other fellows heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be among you, but whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the bondslave of all. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Unchanging Word Bible broadcast is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. We are looking at verses 35 through 45 in these 10 verses, and Mark presents Jesus' response to the requests of James and John. So what did they request? They wanted Jesus to place each one of them next to himself, one on the right hand and one on the left, in his glory. And we read that the other 10 disciples Well, they were miffed at James and John for asking first before them. So here the Lord Jesus speaks to all his disciples of humble service and ministry, stating that whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And Jesus gives himself as the premier example. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 35, as Dr. Mitchell shares Jesus' response to what these two disciples were asking of him. You are listening to The Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we are, as you well know, studying the gospel through Mark. Picture of our Savior as a servant of Jehovah, being obedient even unto death. Now, in our last lesson, we were discussing the third announcement of our Savior in verses 32 to 34 concerning his suffering and his death. And you remember that as they're on their way now to Jerusalem, and he's walking ahead of his disciples, and they become full of fear. They were amazed and afraid. As I said in our last lesson, I say it again, it was just beginning to dawn upon them that something's going to happen. And then the Lord turned to the 12 disciples and began 
to announce to them again that he's going to be delivered by the chief priests and scribes. He's going to be condemned. He's going to be turned over to the Gentiles. He's going to be mocked and scourged and spit upon, killed and raised again from the dead. There's going to be no turning back with the Savior. I wish in some way by the Spirit of God we could get into your heart and into your mind that the Lord Jesus Christ now is in the last week of his ministry on earth. And he set his face, as Isaiah 50 said, about verse 7, he set his face as a flint and he was not going to be moved. He knew exactly what was going to take place. Notice the detail of it going to be delivered by the chief priests and scribes, going to be condemned, going to be turned over to the Gentiles, going to be mocked and scourged and spit upon and killed and raised from the dead. If you read through the rest of Mark, you'll find that every one of those was fulfilled. And yet, he, though he knew this thing, there was no turning back. My, I'm so glad Jesus didn't turn back. If he had, there'd be no Savior. Oh, God grant that you and I will fall in love with him. My, how much he must have loved us. How much he must have loved us. When he went to the cross to die for you and for me. The least you and I can do, the least we can do, is not only accept him as our savior, but turn our, all our lives over to him. And you know, sometimes I ask the question to our students, do you think that Jesus can run your life better than you can? And they always say yes. Then aren't we foolish in not letting the Lord run our lives? He wants to come in not as a tyrant. He comes in as a loving Savior, as one who has made each one of us the object of his love and of his devotion and of his care. So you have here the third time Oh, I'm glad that he never turned back. He went right on. He set his face as a flint. And as Isaiah says, he would never be moved. Now from verse 35 to 45, we have the request of James and John. Verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said to them, what would you that I should do for you? And they said to him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized, with all shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, when the other fellows heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, 
exercised lordship over them, and their great ones exercised authority upon them. But it shall not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the bond slave of all. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now here we have the request of James and John. Now I have oftentimes asked myself the question, uh, were these, was James and John just hungry for some place of, were they, uh, desirous of self-glory? Or had they caught a glimpse of the fact that our Lord's going to be raised from the dead and glorified? Because you notice they said in verse 37 in their request, you grant that unto us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left hand, in thy glory. Now it may be that James and John were still looking forward to an earthly kingdom, the kingdom of God on earth, and that when the Lord would reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, uh, you put one of us fellows on your right hand and the other fellow on your left hand. Uh, were they looking beyond the cross and resurrection to the glory? Or was there a personal desire, present desire, to get in on the ground floor? Now this could be true. Fleshly fleshly desire. You know, the, the, the desire of every human heart, more or less, is to be great, to be somebody, to be somebody. None of us want to be nothing. We want to be somebody. That's the natural desire of the human heart. And this could be true here. But notice the answer of the Savior. You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, all shall you be baptized. But it said on my right hand, on my left hand is not mine to give. Now, what did Jesus mean? Now, I don't blame these men for making the request. In fact, it's very obvious when you come to verse 41 that when the ten disciples, the other ten, heard about it, they, they weren't very pleased with James and John. Well, why not? Well, they wanted to be on the right hand or on the left hand too. Only James and John got ahead of them. They had the same desire. But what I'm after here is, what did the Lord mean? Notice, apparently, they were very ignorant of what they were asking. I don't, I don't believe that, that James and John knew what they were really asking as far as the purpose and program of God was concerned. I think they were ignorant of it. And in their ignorance, they asked the question. Whether it was a desire for self-exaltation, I'm going to leave it alone, leave it right there. But I do notice the answer of the Savior. Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I shall be baptized with? 
And they said, yes, we are able. All right, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And you shall indeed be baptized with the baptism wherewith all I shall be baptized. What do you mean? That when it comes to drinking of the cup, uh, you remember in John chapter 18 or in the other gospels when they came to the Garden of Gethsemane and one of the, Peter took out his sword and chopped the fellow's ear off. You remember that? The ear of Marcus, one of the servants of the high priest, Jesus said, put up your sword. Shall I not drink the cup which my father hath given me to drink? That meant suffering. That meant the cross. That meant an accursed thing. That meant becoming sin for us. But especially it meant suffering. And I think in this connection, this is what he means. Are you willing to drink of the cup I'm going to drink of? Are you going to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Yes, we will. We can. Well, you will. I believe the cup there is a cup of suffering. Well, what's the baptism? Certainly he's not talking about water baptism. And I don't believe he's talking about spirit baptism. I think he's talking here about the baptism of suffering. And both of them suffered. For you remember James was the first apostle to die. He was beheaded. You find that in chapter 12 of Acts. Herod took James and cut his head off. And when he found it pleasing to the Jews, he's going to cut Peter's off too. And we understand by church history that, uh, that John suffered a great deal before he went home to be with the Lord. You, we do know he worked in the mines uh, as a slave. That's when he wrote the book of Revelation. And we understand from church history that he was boiled in oil one time. God delivered him. They both suffered. But watch this baptism. You know, there are three baptisms mentioned in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's the baptism by water. We have where John the Baptist baptized in water. We have where Jesus' disciples baptized in water. And then we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which you have in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body and were made to drink of that selfsame Spirit. I'm well aware of the fact in Ephesians chapter 4, it says there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, and so on. But what baptism is that? Well, that's the baptism of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace because there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And it's this, it's this baptism by the Spirit of God that puts us into the body of Christ and, and joins all believers together in one body called the church. And you have this other one, this baptism here, I believe, and I mentioned again, this baptism of suffering. Now in verse, in verse 40, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. It shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. In other words, my father is the one who's going to arrange the question of position of believers in the glory. Now there's no question in my mind that in the glory, 
heaven, whatever you want to call it, when we go home to be with a Savior, or when we're with him in eternity, uh, there's no question in my mind there's going to be a difference of position of believers. There's that difference today here on earth in the body of Christ. There's going to be that also, I think, through eternity. I think some believers are going to be crowned and some believers are not going to be crowned. Uh, our Lord hinted that when he said, uh, be thou ruler over ten cities, be thou ruler over five cities, be thou ruler over one city. I think the principle there is there's going to be a difference of responsibility and possibly of, of position. But I'm not going to discuss that either. All I'm going to say to you is that the Lord's answer was, it's not mine to give. This is in the hands of my Father. In verse 41, the other disciples were kind of uh, displeased with James and John because they got ahead of them. Now, verses 42 down through verse 45 is an unusual passage of Scripture. Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so it shall not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Let me just stop here for a moment. We've had this already in chapter 10 in other portions of Mark. And the Lord has brought this, I think this is the third time in Mark where the Lord has brought this up. That humility is the sign of greatness in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm repeating what I've said before, and I don't mind repeating it. Because we all want to be somebody. We want to be somebody. If you're going to be a preacher, you want to be a great preacher. If you're going to be a missionary, you want to be a great missionary. If you're going to be into business, you're going to be a big business. Ambition. Every heart has got that sort of a thing. That's the natural, natural reaction of the human heart. We want to be somebody of one sort or another. I like that verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, where Paul says, being ambitious to be found pleasing to him. My, what an ambition. To be found pleasing to him. I'm not surprised then in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, that Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or whether it be by death, for to me to live Christ, to die, to be with Christ. You see, he has just been speaking of the fact he gloried that Christ was being preached. Paul is in prison. He's a prisoner. He can't get out and witness. And he heard about some who preach Christ in love and some preach Christ in contention. He said, I rejoice whether he's preached in love or in contention, as long as they hear about my Savior. My, what an ambition that people might hear about the Savior. What's your ambition in life? What's your ambition in life? To be some great one? In the kingdom of God, humility is the sign of greatness. Allow me to refresh your memory, may I? I... Again, I say, I don't mind saying things. Jesus said one day to the disciples, and it was the only time he ever said it, learn of me. Lord, what shall we learn of you? 
Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. In John 13, 15, you remember? I have given you an example. What was it? Meekness, humility. It's a rare thing. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Humility. I hear people boasting about their spiritual experiences. You don't find that in the Bible. My friend, the closer you walk with the Savior, the more you walk with Him. Pride goes out the door. Did you hear me? Pride goes out the door. Greatness in the kingdom of God is humility. It's just the opposite to what the world has. Look at, look at verse 42. You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be that way with you. For whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. And then he gives to us the key verse of the gospel through Mark. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Or as one version says, a ransom for all. Ah, here is the pivotal verse of the whole Gospel of Matthew, of Mark, of Luke. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but a minister, and to give his life a ransom for all. Oh, how our Lord loved to use this title. You ever think of it? He loved to call himself the Son of Man. You know, the disciples never called him that, and they never called him. In the Gospel through Mark, they never called him the Son of God either. Now, they did in the other Gospels, but not in Mark. How our Lord loved to mention the fact he was the Son of Man. Do you remember Daniel chapter 7? where it speaks of the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days. And the kingdom was given unto him. Who? The Son of Man. You take the last verse of John chapter 1, when he said to Nathaniel, You believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You see greater things than these. What, what are you going to see? The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I tell you, friend, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have the Savior. Wonderful thing to know that He is the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man is come. Do you know, can I just emphasize that I'm so glad the Son of Man came, aren't you? What did he come for? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to fulfill the promises made to the fathers. He came because he loved you and he loved me enough to die for us. Aren't you glad Jesus came? 
Aren't you glad Jesus came? Wouldn't it be wonderful of all us Christians today, sometime today, would come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm certainly glad, I'm surely glad you came. And you came just because of me. You came to put away my sins by the sacrifice of yourself. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for all. Don't you love him? Then tell him that today, will you? Worship him today. Glorify him today. Praise him today that he did come into the human race just because he loved us and died to deliver us from all our sins. The Lord bless you for his precious name's sake. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.